0: Happy Tuesday evening, everyone. Welcome to Vintage McCoy. Tonight, we're going to do a contrast between uh, our previous president and our current president and kind of the malaise that we're experiencing, especially at the gas pump. Uh, I'm shocked by the prices. I mean, I've got to take a second out of my house just to go and get a, a tank full of gas. It's insane what's happening. And on the East Coast, they're out of gas. I mean, there's lines. And it takes me back to when I was a young boy uh, at the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, under the Carter administration, I remember being in gas lines and waiting for, uh, just to get your, your tank filled up so you go to work. And I remember the president coming, oh, it was just crazy. We're going to examine that tonight, and it's going to be worth your while because it'll open our eyes to some amazing things that are occurring and what our responsibility and what we need to be doing about it. So stay tuned. We'll see you in a bit. God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Together, we will make America great again. I have never been more hopeful about America. And the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But because of the Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. May all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of the sing. We shall pay any price. Church, uphold any foe to the survival and the success of liberty. It is indeed we are the defenders of freedom. With the unfounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created in one nation, under God, indivisible liberty, and justice for all. Those who forget the past are destined to repeat And now, your host, Pastor Rob McCoy. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. At Vintage McCoy History Matters. We're looking to the past because if we forget it, we're destined to repeat it. And right now, it seems like uh, this is Groundhog's Day. For some of you younger folks, it may not be, but we've been in this loop before, and it's like we're waking up and experiencing a president that some of you may not remember, but I do. His name was Jimmy Carter. He's actually still alive, and so is his wife. He's 95 years young, and uh, they've been married 75 years. It's a pretty remarkable story. And I want to talk about the similarity of that. But before we get into that, I just want to give you an update. Uh, and this is, this is something you need to be aware of because uh, we're coming into June and our governor is telling us that there's not going to be any more masks. And it's kind of like the world's gone back to normal in some regards because they're now having samples at Costco. <laughs> Very exciting. Anyways, uh, the governor is realizing that his feet are to the fire. The recall is in full motion. Of course, the uh, Democrat legislature is going to slow walk it and try to avoid it. But uh, the California people are real irritated. So he's going to try to appease them. And he's going to uh, lift the mask mandate across the state. But also, let's not forget a couple of things. One is, you remember in the midst of this when he said, we're all in this together. And all of our elected officials, we're all in this together. No, they, they, they're not in it with us. They, they never lost their salary. They, and as a matter of fact, in our own county, Dr. Robert Levin got a raise. In the United States, the most highly paid federal official is Dr. Fauci. He gets paid more than the president of the United States. It's crazy. And, of course, our governor said, you know, I am not going to take my salary during this period of time. And we watched uh, you know, President Trump do that, and we saw all the different um, uh, organizations that he contributed his paycheck to. Of course, that never really made the press and all these nonprofits, these folks he helped, and he just gave them the paycheck. And, of course, uh, Ga- Gavin Newsom promises that. But ABC News revealed something. Take a look at this. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Gavin Newsom reportedly collected full salary despite promise to cut his own pay. August 2020, Newsom has reported reportedly been collecting his full salary despite a promise to cut his own pay when he ordered state workers' paychecks to be reduced by 10%. At the time, Newsom vowed to slash his pay because the state's economic crisis brought about by the coronavirus pandemic. But according to data from the state controller's office obtained by the Sacramento Bee, the governor has continued to draw his full salary and keep his winery open, which is $210,000 a year. Out of eight of the state's elected constitutional officers, data shows state controller Betty Yee was the only one to take the pay cut last month. And as Sacramento Bee reported, which is not a conservative newspaper, but they do good work in some respects. They're just a little slanted. Uh, The statewide elected officers, including Newsom, are exempt from the pay cuts ordered in the budget legislation. However, Newsom's office sent an email to the constitutional officers encouraging them to request reductions immediately. Wow, He, he, he says it, but he doesn't do it. And the coolest thing, you know, he's he's going to win our favor because he's going to somehow, through this convoluted method, get all, well, 75% of folks who reside in California, not necessarily California citizens, but folks that are here, and however they got here is irrelevant to the governor, but 75% are going to be receiving a stimulus check of $600, not the ones who are paying for the stimulus checks, None of the taxpayers, that 25%, and many of them are leaving the state and the job generators, but all the folks that we're going to attempt to really bankrupt this state, everyone's going to get 600 bucks, and if you get the 600 bucks, guess what you get to do? You get to take that 600 bucks and maybe, just maybe, you can go to dinner like the governor did during the pandemic and telling us all to wear masks and stay huddled in our home while he was shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder without masks with the health officer of the state of California and many of his cronies eating at this restaurant. Take a look at this menu. This is the French Laundry. And for 600 bucks, you can get one of these appetizers. You can have oysters and pearls, chilled garden carrot soup, bread and butter, and grilled filet of Pacific shima ahi. And that's uh, today's menu. Uh, and he was doing it on your tax dollars, but he'll give you a stimulus check that the 25% put together that are leaving the state. Ah, you've got my idea. Anyways, let's move on because we could spend all day on the governor. Let's go to the president. Um, pray for this man. I do. I pray for the governor. They're, they're not the enemy, but their ideology is. They're the opportunity. I, I, I truly do pray for, for this president. I pray for his family. And, and I'm, I'm kind of endeared to, to President Biden in this sense that my father, who suffered with Alzheimer's for 15 years, I see the man speak and I see my dad. I, I can't help it. it. It breaks my heart. And um, I, I'm watching all this take place, and it's it's hard to process. But this one picture took me back to being a little kid and and uh, looking at Rosalind and, and Jimmy Carter. Uh, I remember Billy Beer, and I remember— uh, uh, Reagan losing to Ford, and then Ford losing to Carter, and 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 Carter was an interesting guy. He was a naval officer, nuclear warfare, uh, graduated from from uh, the Naval Academy. Brilliant guy. Governor of of Georgia, peanut farmer, and the, he and his wife have been married 75 years. And and uh, President Biden and his wife went to visit them. Take a look at this picture. It's kind of cool. Uh, there they are. Recently, President Trump compared Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter, and so he did this. This picture was shown, and, you know, they're just adorable elderly couple. Look at that picture. you got uh, Jimmy and Rosalind sitting in their seats, and then uh, President Biden and his wife are there. Of course, no masks, and putting those elderly in danger because, uh, well, that's devastating, but they're not wearing masks. But we're going to bypass that. Uh, th- these folks have been married 75 years. He was president of the United States, and um, he was... He's a sweet man. He's worked for Habitat for Humanity. His ideology and his policies, even though he's a, a genteel Southern man and, and has exemplified a lifelong marriage um, and, and he served this country as a naval officer, all those things are being commended. But as a president, uh, he, he wasn't very good. He wasn't very good. I, I remember as a kid. Uh, and and the, here's here's the Carter versus Reagan thing. Take a look at this Uh for decades, Carter held the record of being America's least effective president. And the big factors: he failed to recover U.S. hostages in Iran for 444 days. Our helicopters were strewn in the desert as he had sent a rescue effort. It was just a dismal failure because he hadn't funded the military. He didn't fund the B-1 bomber. He had, he had reduced funding for the military. They were ill-equipped. And, and these you know CH-53 Sikorsky uh, helicopter super stallions were just scattered through the desert, Uh, We were the the laughing stock of of the world. The hostages were held there. Um, Also, I remember this mortgage rates. Did you see that on the slide? Mortgage rates were over 20% if you could find a lender. Good luck buying a house. Gas rationing and lines at gas stations. And then President Reagan followed Carter as president. He ordered Iran to return the hostages or else. The hostages were returned on Inauguration Day. I remember that. It's like... You know, the old Gipper, the Gipper walks into office. Well, it turned the hostages back. And they just folded like a cheap suit, sent all the hostages home. It was pretty cool. And as I was comparing that, seeing that picture, I couldn't forget the fact that at the time, running for office, President Trump said this about Biden. And he was prophetic in a statement. Check it out. And gas prices, you like that $2 gas, right? How about $5, $6 and $7? Darling, let's sell the car. It's a little bit too large. Let's get a compact. Biden's plan is an economic death sentence. An economic death sentence. Uh, Gas prices. uh, President Trump was talking about $5, $6 a gallon gas. Well, here in California, we are rapidly approaching $5. $5 gas. I mean, we're already at like $4.50, I think, today. It's just bizarre and, and it, is, it is skyrocketed under this presidency. The first 100 days, have we even reached that yet? I don't know. It's insane, the inflation and the price increases under this president, and, and gas lines on the East Coast. People are, are waiting in line for gasoline. He, he cut the Keystone Pipeline, the mess that's happened, all that's going on, and, and you say, well, okay, well, that's not even in his control. Yes, it is. But then the hyperinflation with his economic policies, I just want you to look at what, what's happened in one, one year, prices under Biden versus Trump. Look at this. Look at this. Gasoline uh, was $1.77 in 2020 20 of May. May of 2021, three bucks. Lumber. Uh, that's, that's just crazy. It's tripled. I mean, a sheet of plywood is almost 100 bucks right now. Home sales. Coffee. I mean, even with Starbucks being shut for many other places, but you gotta have our Christian crack. Wheat, corn, copper. And and, and how is it that prices go up? Well, we're not manufacturing, so the supplies reduced, and we're pumping money into the economy, and so prices are going through the roof, but are salaries matching that? The only time that salaries really grew under any presidency was under President Trump for the average working man. And now look at gas prices under uh, Biden versus Trump. It just skyrocketed, just went through the roof, and and they're they're continuing to rise. And and let's talk about inflation. This is this is annual gasoline inflation. Now of course. Under Trump, it went down 15%, and the minute this guy gets into office, we have almost 50% inflation in gas prices. That's that's bordering on hyperinflation. That's just tragic. Uh, (laughs) I love this meme. Take a look at it. Gas under Trump presidency, gas under Biden presidency. It's not even going up. It just doesn't even exist. Good luck finding any on the East Coast. Um, Tucker Carlson did a clip on it. Take a look at Tucker's clip, and then we're going to go into some historical background. And I want to wake you up to history that uh, this is Groundhog's Day, and there's remedy for it. But listen to to Tucker. The real answer, as you may have guessed, is that bad federal policies are distorting the price of everything in this country, from two-by-fours to diesel fuel to corn dogs. None of this is an accident, just as it wasn't an accident when the power went out in Texas over the winter. It wasn't a cold snap that did it. It was a federal policy that encouraged the state to rely on windmills which don't actually work. So it's not a natural cycle. Somebody did this to us on purpose. This is the weaponizing of government. This is to make us dependent on government. This is to create a crisis and then they're going to provide a solution that's half as bad as the crisis and then they're going to be our savior and then they're going to dominate and control more of our lives and it's, it's frustrating and it's not pleasant and... When government runs things, things get expensive and things aren't available. And that's what we're experiencing under this presidency. We're watching inflation go through the roof. We're watching an an absence of supply. Uh, We've got money that's just being printed. We have inflation going through the roof. And it's all based on bad policy. Again, when Tucker referred to the windmill, they were frozen in that Texas winter and we had... (laughs) Windmills that were created with fossil fuel technology, right? And and then we had to have helicopters driven by fossil fuel dumping chemicals to loosen the windmills that were frozen that contained fossil fuels so that we could get that windmill going to be able to provide fuel. All designed to make us dependent on government. Leave us alone. We know how to operate. And it was Carter who, and, and I'm going to take us back in history. It's vintage McCoy. History matters. It's a lot like Groundhog's Day because you had a president who had been elected who wanted us to be dependent and, and have scarce resources and frighten us on the future. And I'll never forget this. We sat in front. It was a fireside chat. He wore this bizarre yellow cardigan sweater, and, and he, he looked like Mr. Rogers, and I was, I was a little kid, and I'm like, Dad, is that Mr. Roger, you know? I was I was born in 64, I wasn't a little kid. But I'm looking at this thing, thinking, who is this guy? This is insane. And, and our future was in jeopardy. My parents were wondering how they could make ends meet. And I'd gotten a little bit uh, of an inheritance from a great uncle, and my dad said, put it in an account, because interest rates are going through the roof, and nobody could borrow. Industry was stifled. You couldn't build anything. And if you were young and wanted to buy a house, good luck. Interest rates were over 20%. It was insane. And, and then that, that constituted rental prices going up. And it was all under this guy, Jimmy Carter. Nice man. Testimony of a faithful marriage of 75 years. Served his nation. None of that is an issue with me. He's just a bad president. I'm not upset with a guy. I just He, he shouldn't have been president. And this president... He comes out and he begins to talk about how it's our fault, not the government's. He's telling us that we're, we're materialistic and we're consumer-driven, and what we need to do is turn our thermostats down and put on a sweater like he's wearing. And he gave us, he scolded us. It was almost like a sermon. He told us that, that this is the sin and you're guilty of it and you need to repent. I'm thinking at 13, what, 13 years of age, 64, I don't know how old I was. I'm thinking to myself, really? Really? This is my fault? Excuse me, you're the president. You're supposed to be leading. And uh, let me show you a a couple of excerpts from the speech just so I don't ramble on. Take a look at this. Carter says, I'm proposing a bull conservation program to involve every state, county, and city and every average American in our energy battle. This effort will permit you to build conservation into your homes and your lives at a cost you can't afford. So you're going to get to use less, and you're going to have to pay for that, but we're going to make it affordable even though we're not going to increase your salary and industry won't exist and you won't have a place to find a job, but you'll be dependent on us. He said, I asked Congress to give me the authority for mandatory conservation and for standby gasoline rationing to further conserve energy, and I'm proposing tonight an extra $10 uh, $10 billion over the next decade to strengthen our public transportation systems, and I'm asking for your good and for your nation's security to Take no unnecessary trips. <laughs> Don't go see grandma to use carpools. <laughs> we, we made the muscle car. This is the land of Carol Shelby, Mustang. But you're going to commute together. And uh, public transportation, where, whenever you can. <laughs> can you imagine my mother driving on a bus? <laughs> this, this is insane. To park your car one extra day a week. I remember them yelling at the TV screen to open the speed limit and to set your thermostats to save fuel. Every act of energy conservation like this is more than just common sense. I tell you, it's an act of patriotism. The same thing that Biden's invoking. Get the vaccine. It's an act of patriotism. Well, this is what Carter was doing back when I was a kid. He goes on to say, our nation must be fair to the poorest among us. So we will increase aid to needy Americans to cope with rising energy prices. The government will be their savior um, not industry, not your neighbor. The government's going to come and we're going to bring them aid from your tax dollars. We often think of conservation only in terms of sacrifice. In fact, it is the most painless and immediate way of rebuilding our nation's strength. Every gallon of oil each one of us saves is a new form of production. It gives us more freedom, more confidence, that uh, that much more control over our own lives so the solution of our energy crisis can also help us to conquer the crisis of the spirit in our country it's you people it can rekindle our sense of unity our confidence in the future and give our nation and all of us individually a new sense of purpose that we we are owned by the government Uh, you, you no longer have individualism and this was 1979 It it was an economic disaster. Reagan wouldn't be in office till 81. This guy came in, and everyone said this was going to happen. My folks said it was going to happen. We'd just gone through Nixon, and and everyone had kind of given up on the Republicans, and Ford wasn't the guy, and he was an establishment, and he was the vice president, and pardoned, and it was a train wreck. And so this guy Carter comes up, Governor of Georgia. Hey, he's, he's going to make it work, and he's such a sweet man, and he, he served our country in the Naval Academy, and everyone's saying, no, this guy, what he did to Georgia, what he's going to do, the country's a train wreck, and and he got to elect Reagan, and Reagan lost in the in the uh, Republican convention. He never got the nomination. Ford got beat like a rented mule, and in steps Jimmy Carter. And uh, his, his brother Billy launched a Billy Beer, and he was kind of a disgrace to his, his brother, but... Uh, Jimmy managed to really prove himself to be probably one of the worst presidents in history. Nice guy, bad president. And as the nation is in a mess, what does he do? He does a good Southern Baptist, uh, you know, fiery sermon on the populace of America and tells us we're the sinners and it's our materialism and our willingness to want to be individual and we need to corporately be unified as good citizens to submit to government um, and, and to turn down our thermostats and put on a sweater and carpool. forget about ingenuity and building business and and, and sending you know um, the, the, the challenger to space and, and new modes and we're, no those days are gone. Now we're, we're hearing that we heard that with Obama and then Trump comes in and you know you, you, Obama said you can wave a magic wand and it won't get better. Trump some steps in it all changes. And then you know we, we see, well, I don't want to get into that direction, but let me just say this, because as it's Groundhog's Day, things are cyclical if we forget the past, we're destined to repeat it. We're doing that right now, and we're repeating the past. We're watching hyperinflation begin. This isn't even 100 days of its presidency, and it's a train wreck. You saw the prices. It's awful. We're all wondering when, if our business will survive, will our community survive and we're watching an ever-increasing hand of the government in our lives, taking away our freedom and wanting us to submit, be muzzled, socially distanced, stay at home, wait for DoorDash to bring you food, be dependent on the government, wait for your $600 stimulus check while I'll be getting hors d'oeuvres, the governor says, at the French Laundry. It's not cool. America needs to find that strength that is America. And and, and I, was, I remember this like it was yesterday. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was... 1980 at the winter olympics that carter would then go on he didn't have a foreign policy so he would devastate our olympic team that had worked their whole life and every four years you get to compete and then you lose that window of youth and you're not as strong as you used to be and he uses that as a foreign policy to go after russia that invaded i think it was afghanistan he uses our athletes and their training to to end their dreams But before he had implemented that terrible policy, we did allow our Olympic athletes to participate in the Winter Olympics. And they did that and they participated. And everyone was depressed. The nation industry had been ground to a halt. The Rust Belt was just falling apart. It was such a tragic time. The depression was palpable. And, and this man coming out and, and preaching to us that we need to bundle up, it was awful. And, and I remember we're coming into the winter of the following year where his policies have made the country even worse. And we're just waiting for this man to get out of office. Just We, we, couldn't, we couldn't hope for it quick enough. And uh, we just wanted some sort of hope in the midst of the misery. And these These young guys that had played in some community colleges and a couple of universities around the country, kind of a ragtag group. We had never really had any success in hockey in the Winter Olympics. The Russians had always brought their most professional athletes. That's all they did. That's all they were trained to do. They could compete against any NHL team. They were the best of the best. And uh, our ragtag team goes up against and they're saying, oh, they're just going to get, the, the, the Russians are going to mop the floor with them. Our hockey team has never done well in the Olympics. And it was called the Miracle on Ice. A lot of these guys have since passed away, but I watched this. And it ended up becoming a Disney film. It was more than just an Olympic upset. It, it was an ideological victory over the Cold War. Uh, it, was, it was bigger than, the, in a sense, the Berlin a- uh, airlift, the Apollo moon landing for many Americans because... Carter had just announced that the, that the United States was going into a boycott for the Summer Olympics, and, and the Soviets had invaded Afghanistan, uh, it, hyperinflation, misery, and, and these guys, they're like, let's do it. And they go up against the Russians, and they had never beaten them before. They didn't have a snowball's chance in hell of beating them. And here is the ending clip of the game, the scores four to three. The USA's leading. Watch it. At the now Petrov control. Back to Parlamov. Skating in on the left side. Into the American end. 55 seconds. But Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov sweeping in. Out in front. backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got just a piece of it. Mikhailov back out to Bilja Letinov. Forty-three seconds remaining. Morrow checking into the boards. It comes back to center ice. 38, 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it. The Americans on top, four to three. Long shot. Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carloman. shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson. 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. The legend off gets checked by Ramsey. The Clanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to soap. Five seconds left in the game. You believe in miracles? Yes! It was one of those moments in history as you look back and even in the misery of what uh, the Carter administration had thwarted upon the American people with bad government um, you, you saw that and it was like oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel it's not an oncoming train there's hope there's always hope love hopes all things but as Americans you have got to contend with a beast you, you've got to take on an opponent that seems unbeatable and and you've got to play as a team you've got to unify you've got to take everything you have left in you and you've got to overcome that 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 massive opponent and that's where we are now i mean you, you've got a, a machinery that many folks are looking at going is it stop it, can we stop this machinery they're, they're putting through s1 or hr1 with, where they want to completely redo and make it all national elections take away our state's rights they they want everyone to be able to vote, and they want to be able to manipulate it, and they they want to create havoc in our inner cities and do away with our police forces, so they have a national police force, so they can move to this control. And 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 we're Americans, and we want freedom, but we we're we're going to have to summon the strength of that hockey team in the Winter Olympics. We're we're going to have to go up against some intense forces and conquer them. And and I'll, I'll never forget uh, listening to. Congressman Bob McEwen, who was a freshman congressman, and he was elected during the Carter administration. He was uh, from Ohio, and he would have to travel from, from his hometown in Ohio to Washington, D.C. as a congressman, and he had, to, he, he had to time it properly because the gas stations were all shut down from Ohio to D.C., and he had to make sure he had enough gas, and he had to be able to to schedule it so he wouldn't be late for session if he was to go home because he couldn't sit in a line and wait, especially on that travel. And he he remembers all of the gas stations from Ohio to D.C. being shuttered, boarded up, or lines as long as the eye could see. And then Reagan is inaugurated, the hostages are released, and he said that next day, driving from Ohio to D.C., every gas station was open. It is, it's, it's not a crisis or an absence in materials. It's not your fault because you're materialistic or you believe in industry or you believe in innovation or you believe in independence or freedom or the individual themselves. It's the government that wants you to submit and all be alike, and they're going to give you their little bowl of rice while they dominate and control everything, and we're tired of it. But we're going to have to muster the strength of that hockey team in the Winter Olympics. And we got to overcome that oppression. And I I almost think it's like illustrative of what we're up against. So I, I want to encourage you. There's always hope. There's always hope. But we have to look at this and say, just like we did when I was a young kid, my parents, they overcame it. They overcame it. They saw Carter. Now we see Biden. Let's fight for this one. It's worth it. And you know why my parents fought? They fought for their son and their grandkids and generations to come. The only problem that we can be guilty of is we're not we're not sacrificing the present in order to secure for the future. It's always about the people coming behind us. That's why we're here. We need that mentality. We're Americans. So let's dig deep. And there's a lesson in history to encourage you. And it's not Groundhog's Day. We can overcome this. God bless you all. Thanks for joining us on Vintage McCoy. We'll see you tomorrow night. Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to vintagemcoy.com or follow us on Instagram at TheVintageMcCoy. We'll see you there.